If you could have a conversation with anyone in history, what would you ask them? Hello, General Washington. Good day, Miss Tubman. I had to know, so I decided let's give them a call. Welcome, Welcome to the, the Calling, Calling History, history Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to part two of Jack the Ripper, or should I say the Rippers. In this episode, you're going to hear about the ingenious double event as well as the abhorrent massacre of Mary Jane Kelly. If you have not listened to the disclaimer in part one of Jack the Ripper, then stop here. This is a violent, gruesome discussion that is not suitable for kids or adults. It, it was nice of the police to be on patrol and you know, really get out there and just give you all the clues you needed so you didn't make any mistakes. Exactly. So, at the very end of the letter, you say, they say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. There has been a lot of talk, a lot of the experts suggest that Jack the Ripper was a butcher or he was a surgeon, or he was a doctor of some kind, because you had some skill in getting out organs and cutting out the uterus. And I, I'm wondering if any of you have any of that kind of experience outside of these co this kosher method that you were talking about. Well, when you say butcher, Isaacs was certainly a butcher, but not in the traditional sense. He was a butcher of women. However, we're all from the old country. Myself, I'm a military man. Isaacs, though young, was from Poland. Samuel also was from Poland. We were all skilled hunters. I, a hunter of men and animals. They, hunters of animals. I'm not sure if you've ever been around hunting, if you've ever done any hunting yourself. I understand that deer hunting is popular in different countries. Very popular in and my area. If you ever meet with a deer hunter and you watch him butcher an animal, you will see that very little blood is spilled and you will see that he is able to easily excise the organs of his choice to so-called clean the animal. It's not a kosher killing method or a kosher cleaning method. It's very precise. And a guy who's killed a number of deer is able to slice that deer open with a limited amount of blood being spilled. And he's able to take out those organs which are not desirable for the family to eat and dispose of them without destroying the organs. And in a very quick and efficient manner, as we all were. That is where that ability came from. You come from the, the country, and you all have a history of cutting up animals. Yes. Okay, so now, you've written the Dear Boss letter. The police are running around in circles like they just left the bar, and they have no idea what they're doing. And now it is, and you've warned them that there's a big event coming up. And yes. And I think this is right. That was the only letter that you sent before the double event. Is that right? Well, I sent one just after it, but it, it was very close to the time. I sent a, a postcard which came to be known as the Saucy Jackie postcard. Right. But and it was it, after, right? Yes. The night of. Oh, okay. I see. So it was the night of. So when you say just after, you mean blood on your hands just after. Yes, I went to the printing office of the club and I got from Yaffa and Krantz a postcard that I wrote out basically detailing to the police the idea that there would be a double event and that this double event would involve clipping off of the woman's ear. I wrote the postcard before we did the killing, but I mailed it after. 
had I written it after, I would have said apron. Okay. Well, let me come back to that. I understand there is you. You're meant to pass them a piece of ear, and it ended up being the apron. But let me come back to that in just a minute. Okay. So now mm-hmm. we're at the double event. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, as I'm learning about the double event, this part was brilliant, and I think that serial killers and murderers after this event learned from what you did here to try to create an alibi for themselves. When the very first murder of the double event happened, that was Elizabeth Stride, and that was at 1 a.m. on September the 30th, 1888. And then the next one was 45 minutes later, and that was Catherine Eddowes. Now, at this point in the game, it appears that your team, you've got it figured out. You guys are pros, and you are on top of your game right now. But at the Elizabeth Stride murder, you're the one that found the body, right? Yes. Was the purpose to create an alibi? Partially. When you say found the body, you should put quotation marks around that word found. The first purpose of doing the murder right at the clubhouse was to bring attention of the world to our club and our cause further to ridicule the police, to give a chance to what I call bring my nemesis to the premises. I wanted Edmund Reed and Frederick Aberline and all of those policemen that were involved in the hunt for what they called Jack the Ripper to come to my actual place of business, my home, so that I could study them further and ridicule them, which I did, by the way. I was able to ridicule them uh, a couple of different ways that night. So that was one of the reasons. Propaganda for the club. Part of it was that. There were other reasons for doing it at the club. One of them was to give me a chance to insert myself into the investigation as a witness or finder of the body. But as you cleverly mentioned a moment ago, it was to create a perfect alibi for myself because I orchestrated it in such a way that my two accomplices were able to run ostensibly for the police, but instead they ran to Mitre Square and were under instructions to wait until a minimum of 1.30 in the morning so that I would absolutely positively be in the presence of all the police in London while the second murder took place in Mitre Square, a little more than half a mile away, thus creating the perfect alibi for me because the police had been warned by the Saucy Jackie postcard that there would be a double event. Thus, they knew that Jack the Ripper would be responsible for both of the two murders. They knew then that because I was with them during the second murder, I couldn't possibly be the murderer of the first woman. Gosh, that's brilliant. That is fantastic. So what happened was, once you, quote-unquote, found the body, then Mm -hmm. you collected some of the people in the club, of which some of them were Samuel and Isaac, and then you sent them to say, go get the police, go look for things. But they didn't actually go look for police or look for anything. They went to go set up the second murder. Yes, while other members of the club, unknowing of the, the fact that I had committed that murder, I sent them running in ridiculous directions where they wouldn't possibly find a policeman. Unfortunately for me, Morris Eagle thought better of it and turned around and ran back to the commercial street and was able to locate a couple of policemen down at Grove Street because he didn't follow my orders to the letter. I sent... Samuel and Isaacs towards the main road where there would no doubt be policemen, but they instead continued on to Mitre Square to commit the second murder. Meanwhile, I sent these other guys running in ridiculous directions where they would no doubt be stymied in their efforts to bring a policeman. 
But eventually, they would sound the alarm, and a policeman would show up, probably by 115, 120, 130, at which point I would be in the presence of the police, and my other two accomplices would be able to commit a murder that in, in an area that would absolutely not be patrolled because every cop in London would be at my door, and they were able to commit a crime half a mile away while I was sitting with the police pretending to be shaken and frightened by the finding of this body. Meanwhile, they're killing Catherine Eddowes in Mitre Square. I couldn't possibly be the murderer of Catherine Eddowes. Thus, I couldn't possibly be the murderer of Elizabeth Stride. Or Polly, or Emma, or anybody, because you're there. Correct. You're going to love this. This might be the first laugh that you have during this, but I read an article a couple days ago as I was preparing for this conversation, and the article said that Louis Diemschutz was probably the closest person to catching Jack the Ripper. <laughs> oh, God. That because, is funny. Because he was there when you found Elizabeth Stride outside of the club, and when you found Elizabeth Stride, you ran in to get help, and that Jack the Ripper was hiding in the shadows. And wow. when you wow. went inside the club, Jack got away. Well, you brought a tear to my eye with that. I'm going to tell you, how stupid is that? First of all, anyone who truly knows the case knows that we were interrupted by Israel Schwartz walking home. He lived in Backchurch Lane, not far from the club, and he interrupted us, and everyone knows that. So knowing that he interrupted the so-called Jack the Ripper in the act of murdering Elizabeth Stride, how in the world would they think that I then interrupted Jack the Ripper knowing full well that Israel Schwartz did. Oh, my gosh. How did that not come together? You know why? Because they're dumb. Thank you. Okay. All right, so let me be, hopefully, an intelligent police officer for a second. I'm going to ask some questions, all right? So I'm the police officer on the scene. First of all, the question that I'm going to ask you is that you, in quotes, find Elizabeth Stride outside of the club, and when you find her outside of the club, you find her at 1 a.m., First of all, what are you doing out on the streets at 1 a.m. in a seedy part of England, riding around in a horse-drawn cart? Why are you even there? What's the answer to that, first of all? Well, first of all, it wasn't actually 1 o'clock. Everyone knows that the police were in the yard well before 1 o'clock, but I stuck to my story because our original plan was to commit the murder at exactly 1. But I was fortunate enough to find a victim sooner than 1 o'clock, but due to the nervousness and everything else, I kind of slipped up there and mentioned that it was one o'clock in the morning because my plan was to say I saw the bakery clock as I was coming home and it, it was at one o'clock. No one was ever smart enough to realize that I had made that mistake, thankfully, but it wasn't actually one o'clock. It was closer to 1240. In any case, your question was? Whether it's 1240 or one o'clock, is, is the club just open and you know everybody's going in and out of the club like it's the middle of the day? First of all, the club was open, and there were men singing upstairs in the club. We frequently would stay up till all hours singing and carousing and having meetings, and there were a number of men in the club at the time, 20-some, I think. Okay. But the reason I was on the street at that time was because I had ostensibly spent my day at Westo Hill Crystal Palace selling costume jewelry, and it was my custom to return back to the club, according to what I told the police anyway, that I would return at about that time every night. Of course, I wasn't because the police were too dumb to know that it was the night of the Sabbath and we Jews aren't allowed to work at, 
at that period. But they didn't know that, so well, I stuck with that story. And they were too dumb to even do their research and know that I couldn't have been working at that time. But I had told the police that I was out selling my costume jewelry at Crystal Palace that night, and I was just returning at my usual time to come home from work. So my excuse for being out was coming home from work. That was it. You're just coming home from work late. And the police are like, yeah, sure, no problem. Come home from work because certainly everybody's up at 1240 buying costume jewelry. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Okay, Yeah, but so now... But they, still the they were stupid enough to believe it. Uh, well, this is the part that blows my mind. Okay. So then what happens is you pull up in your cart with your horse. Okay, mm-hmm. the story you told the police about what you saw. Tell, tell me what happened there. Did the horse react? Did you just... Did, what did you see? What did you do? Did you run inside? Did you go to the body? Did you move things? What exactly happened? Well... What do you want? What I told the police or what I did? Tell me, tell me the police first. I told the police I was coming home from work at Crystal Palace. I pulled up, stopped my pony, but actually that the pony himself shied in the gateway of the club because he had seen, although he was blinded, they were too stupid to notice that too, he had seen the body of Elizabeth Stride up against the side of the wall. What I said was, Well, I saw something that I thought was some mud swept up or some garbage at first and that the horse had reacted to it for some reason. So I took my whip and poked it, realized it was a body, and jumped down off the horse and that I checked. And at first I thought it might be my wife. And then I realized that this was a woman laying there dead. So I ran into the club, raised the alarm, and sent guys running for the police. That's my story. Want to know what really happened? I do, but hold that thought before you tell me what really happened. So you told the police, the horse reacts, which I don't know why the horse would react in the middle of the night, can't see anything. It wouldn't. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, but that's the story you tell. And then you say, it might be my wife, or it might be, or it's a woman. Okay, but you never went over to the body, right? Not yet. I went in, uh, well, according to what I told the police... You right. told the police, I looks like it might be my wife, okay, or, or it's a woman, and then you run into the club to get men to come out and help you. This is the story to the police. Okay, so as I'm thinking about this, and I'm going through the pieces of this crime, I'm thinking, first of all, you're the president of the club. You're the, uh, what's the title you had? You weren't president, but you were... Uh, steward. Steward, right. Okay. A person who is the president or steward of the club or some responsible party like you, you're not a person that doesn't do things. You're a person that does things. A responsible person. You're the guy running the show. A responsible person never pulls up to a body and goes, hmm, that looks like a body. No need to look at it, especially because I think it's my wife. I'll just go inside and get some other guys. That's crazy. Any human being on the planet that is a doer is going to go down and see if the person is okay or they're alive. Do you agree with that? One would think. But the police, did they question you? Why, if you think it's your wife, why don't you go see if she's okay? Did they question that? Uh, cursorily, but not really. That's a, that, that seems like an obvious lie to me. That someone Okay, so what actually happened? What actually happened was that this was a well-planned military-like operation. I left the clubhouse with my pony, 
went out in search of a victim. I told my men that I would be back at exactly one o'clock with said victim. What would happen was that we would kill this woman and that Isaacs would do his usual mutilation of the body and that I would then have my horse parked around the corner. I would run back to my horse and then I would pretend to come home and find it while they went back into the club, cleaned up and mingled with the crowd, then waited for me in the kitchen with my wife. Then, after I jumped the fence and got onto my horse and buggy and waited, I came back to the club and then pretended to find the body. Well, I actually waited a little bit before I pretended to find the body because what I actually did was park my horse and buggy right next to the body. My horse didn't care at all. My horse was used to going to market, smelling blood of other animals, even other horses that would, would be slaughtered at market. He wasn't panicked by any blood. Yeah, that doesn't make especially, sense. Right? I see especially that. of a freshly dead woman who was up against the wall. But in any case, I left my horse there, calm as you like, went inside. My wife helped me change. She had a fresh shirt and jacket for me to put on so that I wouldn't have any traces of blood on me. I changed my shoes, my trousers. Once she inspected me fully and made sure that there was no traces of any blood on me whatsoever, I then pretended to raise the alarm and had all the men of the club come out. First, of course, were Kozabrodsky and Friedman, because they were already in the kitchen waiting for me. And, and they then, had just mutilated the body while Friedman yes. was watching. Yes. Okay. And unfortunately, because of the fact that we were interrupted by Israel Schwartz, the full mutilation wasn't accomplished. This Schwartz guy showed up and ended our, our ability to finish the murder properly because when he ran off, we didn't know if he was going to call the police or start screaming. Or So I had Samuel follow him, which he did. He followed him and chased him away. But we had no idea if the police were going to be alerted sooner than we had planned. So we had to stop the mutilation at that point. Did he threaten him? How did he keep him quiet? He caught up to him at the Pynchon Street Arch, Railway Arch, which is where we did another murder later on, but that's another story. In any case, he caught up to him at the Pynchon Street Railway Arch, and he basically told him, you've already made enough noise. The police are probably going to come and talk to you. So you're going to tell them that it was a red-headed Irishman that was drunk that you saw attack this woman. Now get the hell out of here, and I'm going to be visiting you later, so don't have any second thoughts about what you're going to tell the police. That was Samuel's job. Yes. Okay, then what happened? So, well, Schwartz later on started to tell a little bit of the truth, and then he thought better of it when Samuel visited him again later, and he changed the story completely and then disappeared and refused to talk to police or newspapers as instructed. But in any case, he had interrupted us, so the full mutilation of the body hadn't occurred, but there still was the chance of blood being on us. So those two went up and changed and then came down and mingled and then went down to the kitchen and waited for me. I came in, changed clothing, changed shoes, and then the ruse began. I sent the men running, and of course I sent my accomplices running for Mitre Square, where they were to commit the second murder after waiting half an hour. The rest of the men weren't privy to this information other than Yaffa and Krantz from the printing office. They knew what I was doing, but... They just re helped me raise the alarm and general panic and got all the neighbors to come out and got the police riled up, basically just helped me in my ruse. But the rest of the men actually thought they were running for the police for righteous cause and good reason, and they went running in the ridiculous directions I told them to run. But unfortunately for me, or fortunately as it worked out, Morris Eagle thought better of running 
the way I sent him, and instead he went up back Church Lane and found two policemen at Grove Street, and when they started to arrive, they raised the alarm, and more and more and more police came to the club, which actually bolstered my alibi, so it actually worked out for the best. Yeah, it seems like you would want as many police arriving there as possible so that you can stand there in front of all of them and say, hey, I'm obviously here, I didn't do it. I brought my nemesis to the premises. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so then we go to Samuel and Isaac. They find Catherine Eddowes. She had previously been marked with a hat, correct? Correct. She's walking along wearing the hat, expecting that something good is going to happen, unknowing that something terrible is going to happen. The reason that you picked her specifically is because you have to set this up in advance because this is, as you said, a timed military action. And all the police are at the club talking to you. And Sam and Isaac mutilate Catherine Eddowes viciously. Her face had so many cuts in it. Was Isaac sending a message with, I mean, they look like letters on her face. We had instructed Samuel to stand guard. So Samuel didn't actually take part in the cutting. He merely helped her her to be subdued and kept quiet and carried into the darkness of Mitre Square. He then stood guard while Isaacs did all of the wet work. Isaacs was told to just decimate this woman. We wanted headlines, and we got them. But in the process of doing that, I guess Isaacs, being a 17-year-old with a knife in his hand, decided to carve his initials into her face, which none of the police ever noticed because he was kneeling to the right of the body, so he was looking at her face sideways. So when he carved I-K-I-K-I-M-K, his middle initial was M, he carved the M into her chin, the police never noticed it because they looked at her normally with her head erect. And so when they looked at that, they just thought it was strange designs cut into her face, intending to make her look like a clown, someone said. It was ridiculous. But if you were to kneel to the side of the body the way that Isaacs was when he was doing the killing, you would very plainly see the initials IMK carved into her face. Lewis, I've seen a lot of clowns. And what she looked like afterwards, I read something about that. They wanted to make her look, you wanted to make her look like a clown. And I don't understand that at all. But I'll tell you what, those initials, IK, you can absolutely see those if you turn to the side. So why would he put his initials in there? I mean, are you guys that brash and that bold at that point? We're like, whatever we do, I mean, we could leave our ID, our identification at the body and nobody would ever know. I mean, that, that seems brash. Why would he do that? Well, because he was a stupid 18-year-old kid at that time. And I don't know, I suppose if you gave an 18-year-old kid a jackknife and sat him at a picnic table or at a tree somewhere and said, hey, carve something into this tree, what would you think he might carve? Yeah, he typed, uh, Isaac Kudrowski was here. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) uh, He'd put his initials in or something. That makes all the sense in the world. That's why he did it. And she and Catherine Eddowes is the one where you cut an ear off, right? Because you did cut an ear off, but was the ear lost? It was. It was lost in the folds of her clothing, as it turned out. But that ear was meant to be left on the doorstep of one of our enemies. You remember earlier I mentioned there were various factions in the Jewish community who would deal with the Gentile in different manners. And there was a faction that believed in cooperating with them and working with them peaceably. And Israel Sunshine was one of those people. I later beat the living shit out of him for doing what he did, 
against our cause, but at that time I wanted to incriminate him. So I gave Isaac's instructions to take the ear that was severed from Catherine Eddowes and place it on the doorstep of Israel Sunshine along with one of my clever word games. I had him write, the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. And actually that was an anagram for those bent whores be the filth, not the Jew men, Isaac, Samuel, nor LD. In any case, the police never noticed that either. But the ear being placed on the porch of the Wentworth model dwellings, where Israel Sunshine lived, was specifically done to point suspicion his way. Fortunately for me, when Isaacs was unable to locate the severed ear, Samuel was brilliant enough to say, well, cut her apron in half and make sure and cut a piece that has blood and has feces on it so that it can be matched later by the police to the other half left here on the body. And that's what they ended up doing. They left the apron on Sunshine's doorstep. But unfortunately for me, the police never really suspected him. So I had my revenge later on and beat the living shit out of him in a subsequent riot that was orchestrated by me. Was that the riot a few months later, the socialist riot? Yes, March of 1889. Yeah, I'll come back to that in a minute. You know, I'm not surprised that the police did not think that Israel Sunshine was involved. And the reason that I say that is because, okay, so you you cut the apron off of Catherine Eddowes. And then you cut it in half, right? Yes. I can't think of any reason on planet Earth why anybody would cut an apron in half. There's no value in half of an apron. It served our purpose, and the police were too stupid to see through that and say, why would someone cut an apron in half? They definitely wanted to point to this particular spot for some reason. But the police didn't figure that out and do anything with it. They didn't even really investigate Israel Sunshine. No, and you know why? I'm going to guess. I think I do know why. I think it's because the police are insanely, ridiculously dumb. Yes. You know, maybe when you were done with all of these murders, maybe you should have robbed some banks. I mean, whatever you did, you were going to get away with it with the police that you were dealing with, right? One would think. So let's go back. What were grapes used for? To tempt the women. These women were starving. These women were pathetic. Many of them hadn't had a meal in God knows how long. And so I used grapes, specifically the night of the double event, to tempt the woman into returning to the club with me because by then the prostitutes were becoming very, very suspicious of anybody that would try to lure them into a dark area other than the places that they would normally do business. So I knew that by that point in time, no prostitute was going to follow me down Burner Street to the clubhouse without some suspicion. But I knew that with those luscious grapes in my hand, and after having given her a sample of said grapes, she would follow me anywhere. That was just, you were just enticing her with food. That's all it was? Yeah, because they were starving, weren't they? Oh my gosh. Okay. So they found bloody grapes in her hands because she had eaten them, or she was holding on to them about to eat them. And well, then... actually, they didn't. They didn't, which is where we slipped up a little bit, I hate to say. Okay. Because what we didn't realize was that when we killed her, she was clutching in her hand some grapes that I had used to tempt her, 
and some candies, cashews they're known as, breath mints, that I had used to tempt her. But during the struggle, she apparently dropped the grape stems and the police didn't see them. But I thought, and Isaacs thought, that she still had them in her hand. So when we gave our statements to the police that night, we said that the woman we found had grapes in one hand and sweets in the other. But there weren't any grapes because she had dropped them. And it was only a couple of days later when two detectives came to the clubhouse looking around our yard, the two guys called Legrand and Bachelor, they came to our house, to my house, the clubhouse, and they searched the area. And there they found, amidst the blood that had been washed away by Edmund Reed's men, they found some bloodied grape stems, which bolstered the idea that grapes were actually in her hand at the time. But again, the police were so stupid that they never came and questioned Isaac or myself about the fact that we had already claimed she had grapes in her hand. They should have asked us, wait a minute, you said there were grapes in her hands. The doctor didn't see it. No policeman saw it. But you say they were there. And now we know that there were, in fact, grapes at the crime scene because they were, they were bloodied. So we knew that they were there before the area had been washed down. So why then were the police so stupid that they didn't ask us about these grapes that we both said we saw? Is there no training in your time for police officers and detectives where they look at the stories that are written and then they compare them to see if there are inconsistencies? Well, you'd probably better ask that to Aberline or Edmund Reed because they never noticed the inconsistencies in my story, thankfully. Had they come back and asked me about those grapes, I might have stumbled, and certainly Isaacs would have. Because if they would have said, well, where were these grapes? You said they were in her hand. Nobody touched the body. Where'd these grapes go? Why didn't my doctor see it? Why didn't any of my colleagues see these grapes? Why do you know she had grapes? And by the way, grapes, grape juice was found in the stomach of Elizabeth Stride at the autopsy. Mm-hmm. And not only that, stains of grapes were found on her handkerchief. But there were no grapes in her tummy. And I'll tell you why. Because she had no teeth on her bottom jaw. So she must have spit out the rinds, which were thick and probably hard to chew. So she probably used her tongue and her, her gums to gum the, the, the meat out of the grape and then spit it out. Wow. So you said if they had questioned Isaac, he may, he may have stumbled. Did you go out of your way to protect him from the police questioning him on anything? Was he ever, in, oh, was he ever questioned by the police? Yes, but of course I translated for him, so whatever he had to say had nothing to do with what I told the police. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So the police are asking him questions, and you're just saying whatever you wanted to say. Correct. That's how you kept Isaac from spilling the beans, or even getting nervous. Because Isaac could have been singing a song, and they wouldn't have known it. He actually was insulting the policeman who was asking him the questions, and I was giving the answers that they wanted to hear. So he's saying, you are the dumbest people I've ever met. You guys are assholes, and I hate you. And you're saying, Isaac says, thank you very much for for your help with this. Basically. (laughs) That's fantastic. Okay, good. All right, so so the double murder is complete. The apron is delivered to Israel Sunshine's place, which sounds like a made-up name. I don't understand that name at all. And, well, yeah, you, you might have met some Jewish people in your life, and you might have noticed that they'll have a name, for example, Samuel's last name, Friedman. 
His, his actual last name was Friedenthal, and you're probably familiar with the, the suffix thal as in Neanderthal, meaning man, freed man. A lot of the times our actual surnames are translated into the English so that it would sound more westernized and better for the westerners to pronounce. Oh. So Sunshine's actual last name was the Hebrew word for sunshine. Okay, well that makes more sense to me. That, that, that name never sounded real. So now we come to the murder of Mary Jane Kelly. And I have seen the picture of the murder of Mary Jane Kelly. And this doesn't do it justice. Is that right? Oh, well, well, let me tell you what it looked like from what I've seen. The picture of Mary Jane Kelly looks like her body melted into a bed. Oh, I've seen it. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you have, but it, it is so gruesome. Can you tell, this was done inside. Is this the only one murder that was done inside? Yes. Why inside? Although it, What's, what happened here? Well, we decided that in this case, we were going to do a grand tour de force magnum opus performance and that we had to really shock the public because they were starting to become somewhat used to the idea that these murders were taking place and they were, they were losing a little bit of their luster, so to speak. So the prince advised us that this one had to be an absolute tour de force performance. We chose the greatest of the 12 great feasts of Theotokos for the night to commit the Kelly murder. We did her murder on the icon of the most holy Theotokos. And we decided to do that also on what's called Michaelmas, another Christian holiday. So we chose the date carefully, and we decided to kill someone named Mary because they weren't getting our message. So we thought, we need somebody named Mary. And I knew of Mary Kelly. Isaacs knew of her. He was her neighbor. He used to live in Stepney by the gas works next to her. So he knew her, and I knew her, and we decided she would be our victim. We thought, we've already killed one Mary, and they didn't get it. We've been killing on Mother Mary nights, and they still didn't get it. So how about we do it on Michaelmas, on a great feast of Mother Mary, and we'll pick a girl named Mary. Well, that went nowhere. But we decided to do it inside so that Isaacs could just absolutely decimate this body because we had blown our opportunity to do it at the club, at the safety of the clubhouse. That's where we were going to really decimate the body of Elizabeth Stride at home, but we couldn't because of that idiot Schwartz showing up. Because of that, we knew that we we still had this to do, and we thought, what's the best way to do it? And and the prince suggested, well, do it indoors. So we knew of a Mary, we knew where she lived, and we decided that that would be our next victim, and that Isaacs was going to make history with this murder. And he did. So that was the purpose of this so that you would go in this room and really take your time. And when this was finished, the picture that the world would see would be something that they would never be able to purge from their brain. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering why this one was inside. Then it's time for the socialist riot, where you, as you said, beat the shit out of Israel sunshine. And I think you got arrested during this time. Yeah, we did. When you say we, that, that I wasn't sure about. Isaac, got a, did he get arrested with you? Did Samuel? 
Yes, all three of us. Luckily, they didn't arrest my wife, though she helped. She jumped on a policeman that was trying to arrest me, and she started beating him with her hair broom, but they decided to have mercy on her. Later on, she accused the policeman of brutality. That went nowhere. Okay, well, why would it, right? Her word over theirs, right? Yeah, and the police were too stupid to notice at the socialist riot once they arrested us that the first part of the socialist riot took place at Mitre Square, the first of the double event murders, right across the street from the synagogue of our worst enemy, Chief Rabbi Adler, who would always speak out against our cause, the violent cause. And he was, of course, he was the head of the faction that Sunshine belonged to. And this was so we Mitre did, Square? Yes. Which is where Catherine Eddowes was murdered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Mitre, of the, Did you do it at Mitre Square? Because was that, did that, I mentioned that earlier. Did that, is there a connection between that and the Pope? Absolutely there was. Because the Mitre is the hat that the Pope wears. So we decided to spill the tainted blood of a prostitute on the head of the head of the Catholic Church, right uh-huh. across the street from our worst enemy's synagogue. And so at the Socialist Riot, we marched to his synagogue, started it there, got chased away, and then we went back and continued the riot at our clubhouse, and we dragged a policeman that was trying to arrest us into the very spot where we had killed Stride and beat his ass. Samuel beat him with a club. I kicked him, and Samuel continued to beat him with a club while Isaac would punch and kick him. And, of course, later on when more reinforcements came, we, we beat a bunch of members of the public that were against us. And when they came to arrest us, of course, my wife jumped on the policeman's back started beating on them with the hair broom. They just let her go, but they arrested the three of us. Now, we all showed up for our arraignment, but Kozabrodsky was given a fine. I was given prison time. Samuel didn't show up. He decided not to come back, so he remained a fugitive. Oh, so, so you all get arrested, but you're the only one that actually spends three months in, what was the name of that prison? Pentonville Prison. Pentonville. Which is another brilliant moment, because somebody dies while you're in prison. You know about that, do you? Well, I, I mean, I know pieces of everything, and I'm just putting it together. But, so t- tell me how that went down. Because, was that your work? Well, I wasn't going to tell you, but no, it wasn't my work. Well, it was, it was mainly the prince that decided that while I was in prison... Another perfect alibi would be set up for me because he thought, someone's going to figure this out. You guys were dumb enough to go to Adler's church, synagogue, and you were dumb enough to beat this policeman at your own club. Someone's going to put these connections together. They're going to figure out that Sunshine that you beat lives at the place where you guys wrote the graffiti and left the apron. They're going to see these connections. They're going to see that the same four people that got in trouble, you three plus your stupid wife, were the first four that came out the door of the double event night and claimed to find the body of Stride. So somebody's going to figure this out. So while you're in jail, these guys better commit another murder so that the police will say, well, once again, it couldn't be Team Schutz because, after all, he was in jail. So I had them, well, the prince actually had them, go and commit the murder of Jackson and strew her body parts all over the place to raise the alarm that Jack the Ripper was back to work. And it couldn't be me, because I've been sitting in jail. Yeah, what's up with that? With, with spreading her body parts all over the place? Well, actually, I think I just answered my own question. Because the news and the people are becoming used to these murders, you're trying to elevate it to the next level. That's what you're doing. 
sensationalize it. I see. Okay. So there's body parts just floating in the Thames and are popping up on the shores. How do they know that this is Elizabeth Jackson? Well, she ended up turning up missing. Some people would argue that it wasn't her, but it was. I'm very, very interested in Isaac. Isaac has to be just cold and dead on the inside right now. Well, Isaac, he came from a family of criminals in Poland, and he was a person that, like I said, was young and had been indoctrinated in violence and lawlessness from a very young age. And he was very easy for us to mold to our way of thinking. And he also was told that he was doing this for a good cause, for his people. And so he was... He was more concerned with satisfying his own lewd desires than he was to aiding the cause. But he did. And so I think that in his case, he was happy to perform any murders that we deemed necessary in the most horrific manner possible. He's just, as you described him as a pawn, it's just whichever direction you pointed or whatever you told him to do, that's what he did. It's just, this is my job, that's what I'm doing, and there's just no thought of right or wrong or yes or no. It's just, okay, that's what I got to do. He thought he was right. Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think you all, it sounds like you all thought that you were right and that your cause is just. Of course we did, or we wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So there was another letter that, from Hell Letter, where you sent a kidney to somebody? Mm-hmm. Did you send Again. that letter? Yes, of course we did. We even included a part of the kidney of the victim. And some people thought it was fake. But that was a real... Whose kidney was it? Catherine Eddowes. And there were all kinds of letters coming to the police at this point. Were there other letters you wrote? Or was it just these three? No, we wrote the McCarthy letter as well. The McCarthy letter you did write. And that is the, that's the one... McCarthy was the man who owned the property that Mary Jane Kelly stayed in. She was the group yes, in picture. Miller, Miller's Court, it was called, but we used to call it, a lot of people used to call it McCarthy's Rents, which was ostensibly the apartments that were for rent, but in fact, it, it were the women were McCarthy's Rents because he was a pimp and they were prostitutes. So you had a serious problem with John McCarthy. Oh, yeah. I actually wanted to kill him myself, but... Why not kill him? Well, it didn't fit with what we were trying to do. Oh, I guess that makes sense. That would kind of confuse we, the message. But we terrorized him, all right. How so? With that letter. At the bottom of that letter, and again, I've seen a copy of this letter. At the bottom of this letter, there's a, it's like a cryptic drawing, and it's, again, don't be offended, but it almost looks like somebody, like a kid drew it, like people, and there's like a knife, and what was the purpose? I drew it. You drew that? Yes. What can you tell me about that? Well, if you were clever and you looked at it very closely, you would see that there are actually three figures in that drawing, which would tell the police that there were three of us. You would see the figure of Isaac Kozbrodsky murdering the woman. You would see a figure of a man sort of holding his knife up as if to help Isaacs. He was much bigger than the other two figures because it was me. And if you really paid attention, you would see that all three figures were comprised of the letters that make up our names. The figure that is stabbing the woman is made up entirely of the letters that would take to comprise Isaac M. Kozabrodsky. If you look at the middle figure holding the knife and sort of standing over Isaac's and sort of giving him instructions, you would see that it's comprised entirely of the letters that it takes to make up my name, Louis Deemschutz, 
And if you look at the third figure standing guard against the wall, you would see that it's comprised of all of the letters it takes to write Samuel Friedman. I'm looking at this picture right now, and as I looked at it, it never occurred to me that there are three people and then a person on the ground. And they never figured that out either, did they? Apparently not. Someone must have. Maybe not. In the future, there have been people that have done some good work with this, that's for sure. So, after this, there are several murders. There is Rose Milet, there's Alice McKenzie, there's somebody named Francis Coles. Were these all yours? Yes. These seemed like they were a little bit more scattered. Why were they so scattered? Well, for the most part, we had accomplished what we set out to do. But the prince just wasn't satisfied that we had fully ridiculed the police because his aim was to have certain members of the police force fired for their incompetence. So we thought if we continued right under their noses, and in fact our last one, Francis Coles, we chucked the body very close to where Edmund Reed was seated as the head of the investigation as a sort of a thumb of our nose to him. We were trying to get the British public to realize that they needed to get new people involved in the police force and revamp. And so we continued the murders after Mary Kelly, but they started losing their luster. We, we were losing the sensationalism. And, and a lot of people were even questioning the fact that it was even what they called Jack the Ripper at the back of these crimes. So eventually we stopped. But it was sort of a petering out rather than a sudden uh, halt of the murders. And then they just stopped. Why did they stop altogether? For the reasons I mentioned, but mainly because Prince Kropotkin was nervous, and rightly so, that someone was going to finally put this together because we had been arrested in that socialist riot. And he thought, somebody's bound to notice that Sunshine was beaten, and he lived at you know, the, the Goulston Street location where we left the graffito and the apron. Somebody was bound to notice the coincidence that the two crime scenes Miter Square and our club, someone was bound to notice that we beat the policeman on the very spot where Stride was killed. He, he thought for sure someone would notice that. He, he thought for sure someone would notice that the same four people that came out the door to discover, quote unquote, the body of Elizabeth Stride were the same four people that were involved in the socialist riot and three of us were arrested. He thought some policeman's bound to see that coincidence. So you guys better knock it off and we better get you, Lewis, we better get you right out of England before they notice. And we've got to do away with this kid, Isaacs, because he's a liability. Samuel will allow him to abscond. He's already disappeared off the face of the earth because of the arrest. He didn't want to serve any time. So we agreed to let him move to the United States. Yeah, we, we let Samuel move to the United States. He moved to New Jersey. And we just got him right out of England. And myself, I went back to Russia with Kropotkin. Isaacs, we did away with him. We couldn't trust that he wouldn't open his mouth. He was too young and stupid. You killed Isaacs? Yes, we did. You had no choice. You, can't, you, you literally need somebody like that, and you can't trust him. He was a loose end. No, I could totally see that. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for all this time. I have just a few more questions. Can I ask you just a few more? Do you have time? Certainly. Okay. I, I, I'm very appreciative. So, 
Were there any other loose ends that the police missed that we haven't discussed? Oh, certainly. There were many. For example, no policeman was clever enough to ever take a close look at my statements that I gave to the police the night of the double event. For example, I, I was also a little bit nervous after the double event. And, you know, I made some statements that could have incriminated me if the police had even half a brain, but they didn't. For example, I mentioned the fact that I kept my pony stabled in George Yard stables, which is where Martha Tabram was killed, but nobody noticed. I also slipped up and mentioned that Stride, who I theoretically hadn't seen well because it was just by the light of a match, I mentioned that she was dressed quite a bit better than the last woman who was murdered, which would be Annie Chapman. However, I realized later that I had made a big mistake saying that because nobody knew how Annie Chapman was dressed. She was mutilated, and her clothing was bloodied, and there was never any report in the newspaper nor any photograph that would tell me how she was dressed. And yet somehow you knew, and they didn't catch it. They didn't catch it. I said very plainly to the newspaper and the police in my statements that the woman that I had found was dressed quite a bit better than the woman who had been murdered three weeks prior. But they missed that. So that was a loose end that they missed. As I said, they didn't notice the coincidences between the socialist riot and the fact that Israel Sunshine was living at Wentworth Model Dwellings, where we left the apron and the graffito. They never deciphered any of my letters that I wrote or any of my cryptic clues that I left. They didn't notice any of that. So I'd say they missed quite a bit. But apparently somebody found out a lot based on the questions you're asking me because you seem to know about a lot of things that the police never noticed. Yeah, there, there actually is quite a bit of research on there. One person specifically that has gone over and above making me look very smart today where I, I knew a lot of this. I, I just didn't know everything. You've really filled in some of those gaps, but you're right. And it, it's so much clearer now. You'll get a kick out of this. As people were trying to figure out who did this, like people in the future, mm -hmm. they've listed all kinds of people, crazy people, and one time somebody in the royal family, but there was one person that even suggested that a woman did it. It was a single woman, and they call her Jane the Ripper. Hmm. Yeah. I, well, I, I, let, me, let, me tell you how, let me tell you how stupid that is. First of all, in history, how many such women have done such crimes? Furthermore, is everyone forgetting that, that, that goddamned Israel Schwartz interrupted us during the double event and saw that it was a man? <laughs> what? Well, just and a tiny said, detail. And said that there was another guy standing guard that chased him to the Pynchon Street Railway Arch. So how could you possibly think it was a woman when it was obviously at least two men? It is maddening. It is, if you were to see all the theories that came out of all this, you would be amused and you would be furious. You'd have to go beat up Israel Sunshine again just to release your frustration. You'd be so furious. Well... I would like to do that anyway, but yes, I agree. But again, that shows how clever the prince was and to a certain extent how clever I was because we left them not enough clues to solve the Well, apparently we didn't because someone did, but at the time, no one was smart enough to figure these basic things out. 
You know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, are you smarter than the police? But I'm not going to ask that question. So, Thank you. Because I know the answer now. So You might not want to offend me. I have a very sharp knife. Yeah, I understand. I'm not asking that question. So the uh, except the one murder that was inside, many of these the murders were committed in darkness. This oh no, they like weren't. A, they they weren't. Oh no, wasn't it not part of black when you were doing some of these murders? Well, yes, it was. But let's not forget that Samuel, in part of his duty standing guard, was also holding a candle so that Isaacs could see what he was doing. Oh. You know what? That should have been something the cops could have figured out. Because well, they found a goddamn candle in our yard. <laughs> they should have. I mean, you would have had to have somebody providing light. You couldn't have done this in pitch black. Of course you couldn't. Boy, that is a clue right there. Do you, do you regret any of this? Hell no. Did anyone on your team have any any regrets or... Well, Isaac's probably had the regret that we didn't do more. Before his time expired. All right, last question. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, before he was tragically run over in a horse and buggy accident. Oh, Isaac was? Yes. Yeah, it didn't even get reported in the news because it was just a young Jewish guy that people didn't care about. Hmm. I'm going to ask you one last question, and then I'm going to thank you for your time, and I really appreciate you clearing up the things that I didn't understand. It's It's pretty incredible what you've done, and... I think that you were doing it for the, for the greater good, even though it's a hard pill to swallow. In the For Hell letter, you referenced that you ate some of the body parts. I can't remember it exactly. I don't have it in front of me now. Did you guys eat yep. parts or something? Well, Isaacs did. He ate Mary's uterus, which is why it never appeared. It, it was gone and nobody knew what happened to it. They assumed that we took it away, but... What I actually did was build a huge fire in her fireplace, so hot that it eventually melted the teapot and everything else that was there. We used her clothes to fuel the fire, and I basically cooked her heart and her uterus for Isaacs to eat. Boy, when you were looking for a guy to do the dirty work, you found the right guy. Yes, I did. Gosh. I, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything that you would like to ask me or anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd like to know how you know all this. Well, in the future, there is a lot of research that has been done. The, there's a lot of technology that has been developed that you wouldn't understand in your time. And there is a specific book of a gentleman who actually solved this crime. In fact, as people listen to this, there will be a reference of it. People can learn more about this if they want. Because, as I said, you know, there are people that have labeled the Jack the Ripper as Jill the Ripper and, and all kinds of crazy answers to this. And uh, there, there's one person that appears to have solved it. And so a lot of that information came from that place, uh, which I'll provide. And then a lot of that information came from me researching some of the false rumors. Because once you learn everything that I know that, that we've discussed, you look at the false rumors and it's, you're just baffled. You're like, how in the world could you think it was a woman? How in the world could you think it was this person? That doesn't even make sense. And so, yeah, there's just been a lot of really good research about this. Well, perhaps if you tell me who that is, I can find his ancestors and kill them so that he won't be born. Uh, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to let the people in this time know because in this time it doesn't hurt to know this. So I'm going to pass that information along, but I don't think I can tell you. I don't want you killing his ancestors. But I will tell so you in other words. 
So I did all this for you, and I cleared up all your questions, and you're not going to tell me who this person is so that I can find his predecessors and kill them so that he won't be born? How about I tell you his name and you promise not to kill them? I can't make such a promise. Okay. <laughs> then please accept my thank you for your time and for clearing this up because I would hate for the people of our time not to know what really happened and not to know the reason that it really happened. Because I don't want anybody to think that you're just some butcher that just kills women and hates women and hates prostitutes because that, doesn't what the, that isn't what happened. I want them to know the truth. And, and you've made that clear so that people understand that your motives were to do good, not to do bad. And I, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. And, sir, I, 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 I'm going to wish you the best, and, and I thank you so much for your time today. Well, Anthony... I'll tell you this much. It's a good job you didn't tell me your last name because I'd find your ancestors and kill them. I think we better leave it at that. Thank you, Mr. Deemschutz. Well, I can check that off my bucket list. My life being threatened by Jack the Ripper. Check. All kidding aside, if you want to read more about the investigation, I'll include a link in the comments. The investigator I mentioned used the facts he uncovered while solving the crime to write a novel. This is a fun and easy way to learn and enjoy the story as you review the evidence. Thank you for listening, and don't forget that when you subscribe and tell a friend about the Calling History podcast, you're making it possible for us to create more content. I'm Tony Dean, and until next time, I'm history.